Hello and welcome to Quality of Life Radio, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Quality of Life show. You know, every third Thursday we get to chat with Lee Brovadani, and she is known as the Trust Architect. And if you listened last week or last month, I should say, you would have heard that she is still the Trust Architect, and she is really good at being the Trust Architect. Go see thetrustarchitect.biz. Um, but she's been, you know, talking about trust on our show for a number of years. But she's also at this change of life of, hey, I'm going to be a death doula, end of life midwife, basically. And um, that's what she's doing. And we talked about that in the last show, talking about how to embrace change and use trust, the relationship between trust and change. And she's like, you know, I'm making a change. I'm still doing my trust work. But um, working with people at the end of their stages of life is something important and also valuable in that we get to talk about hey, you know, end of life can come to us at any time in our life, even if you're 20, 10 years old, 20 years old, 40, 50, 70, 80, 100. So what are we doing to really enjoy our lives? And so I encourage you to go to her new website, souljourneydoula.com. But welcome back, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, right now I'm really hopeful. I've got two dogs at my feet. And at this moment, they're sleeping and behaving beautifully. So let's knock on wood. They're, they're going to stay that way the whole program. So well, I think of you who yeah. hear a dog bark, but that, that's just them enjoying life. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, Nancy and I travel full time across the country and pet sitting is part of it. And um, I've got a little Yorkie next to me. Yes. Hi, little Piper. Piper's little ears perked up. Piper loves podcasts. Augie, no. He's like, I'm out. But he's, they are going to start barking. And when they, they bark, like they are the guard dogs of the neighborhood. They're tiny, tiny little dogs, but their bark, like everybody <laughs> knows, right? But this is an interesting thing. We're going to talk about death today, embracing yes. the end of life. Some people go with a gasp and a whisper. Some people go with a loud bang, right? It it's kind of goes with your personality or maybe how you're passing, right? And sometimes yeah. we don't know when we're going to pass. Um but I, I think when, you know, we've had friends that knew they were dying and sometimes I, I, I've had friends who kind of knew and retreated and then all of a sudden they were gone and none of us really knew and because it was so quick and then some we knew and we were like dancing around like, you know, it could be any day. And like, if you saw your friend, they would look you deep in the eyes like, this is the last time. And that was like a weird feeling to know, like, this could possibly be. And then you see them the next day and you're like, oh, hey. And then the third day, oh, crap. You know, go back to that deep look in the eyes. So it's kind of a, when we talk about the end of life, I think a lot of times people don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about end of life. But then if you're saddled with it, you're like, holy crap, I sure as hell don't want to, but I'm going to have to face it even if it's for a few days, right? Yeah. Woo! It's a lot you know, if you had asked, like, what is an end of life or what is a death duel? And I think it's good to understand what it is that um, what a death doula does, because I have a um, relative in England, she said, Oh, no, it, here, we just call it hospice. And I was going, well, no, it's not really hospice. And then so I, I realized that in order for this conversation to make sense to people, you might want to know, what is it that a death doula does? That sounds like a tongue twister. But, you know, if you think most people know what a birth doula is, but a birth doula and a death doula, it almost is like they're the two sides of a coin. So when you think of it, a birth doula is a trained, usually a midwife or not always a midwife because they're just assisting to make sure that um, a person has the best possible childbirth experience. Mm -hmm. So they assist them before, during and after childbirth and they work alongside the healthcare team. 
to help provide all of that emotional and physical support. And they help guide the mother so that she has a positive birthing experience. Yeah. Now, the other side is a death doula, sometimes known as an end-of-life doula or um, a death midwife or a death coach. It, it is We assist a dying person and their loved ones before, during, and after death. So, again, very similar to what a birth doula does, we provide emotional and physical support, education about the dying process, because, you know, like unless not no one can say, well, I've died. Let me give you my experience. <laughs> right. Unless you've been alongside someone. But every death is unique. So mm. but it, it there is there are things that they have in common. So a death doula prepares people for what's to come and then guides people through the groove, the grieving experience. So So when you, when someone says, okay, like, you know, and kind of feel like people have to have this conversation with you individually anytime in life, right? Because we could die. We could walk in the street and get smacked by a bus, you know, yeah, you know, and, or anything, you know, can happen. And I'm, I'm not making light of anything, anybody. Um, but I do have humor with death because it's sometimes the best way to face it is to and have a giggle life, there. You know, like I know you're not <laughs> dead until you're no longer breathing. So there is the yeah. process and we're all in the process of dying. Well, I had goals at a very young age and, you know, basically had completed some at that time and knew like, okay, if I do this and this, you know, I'd be satisfied if I died. And I always looked at it like if I died now. And I always looked at Janet Joplin. And this sounds so weird, but you're, you're going to hear a lot of these weird things as you become a, you know, as you are the death doula, you're going to go in and, you know, embrace this soul journey with people and go, okay, you know, but everybody has a weird thing in their back of their heads. And Janis Joplin to me was this amazing singer. Yeah. And even in growing up in South Africa, I couldn't wait to come back to the States. Um, I left as a baby, but lived all over and came back and, and at 19 and I was like, we, in, we were in Florida and I'm like, we got to go to California. We got to go to California. Got to go to San Francisco. Why? Janis Joplin was there. Like I bypassed the whole thing of her in Texas and all that. Just no, got to go to hate Ashbury and all of that. And then I did finally get there. And she wasn't there. I knew she was dead and gone, you know, but there was this thing that I had, like, she died so young. Jimi yeah. Hendrix died so young. All the these magic 27, that, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The 27 thought, club. Yeah. Right. And because and all of those of things, people died at that age. Yeah. And it was drugs and all kinds of stuff that they didn't really know, like, you're really going to die if you do this, that, all you know all these things were happening just like cigarette smoking was fine until we realized oh crap it's not right um and when she died and and like well anyway i i always thought well i got into this time frame this could happen to me at this time i don't know and i was in the music industry and all that stuff and you know i'm not janis joplin by a damn i don't know anybody who can sing you know three chords at a time like she did and I just say that because she does sound like she's singing chords. Um, It dawned on me like it was about, I was in this race at a young age. So then it becomes, you're doing too much, slow down and enjoy it. Then it's like, but you want to do this. And you know, it's about like, are you at peace that if you die today, are you at peace of what you've done? We've talked about this, about your legacy in life. And I think, it's important to kind of like with what you're doing, I feel like it's a conversation that I don't know if it's a transformational life coach or what that it is, that would be like a secondary thing of what you do. But I feel like you should talk to people no matter what their age is to kind of look at what their legacy is. Yeah. Yeah. So that they feel better for at the end. Right. Because you might not have time with them if they did just step out and a bus swipes them and takes them away 
or an alien abducts him up to his moon. Let's ha- let's have some fun with this, right? Um, like that would be a cool death. Like you got zapped up there, and who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, so long as Elon Musk isn't up there, I'm cool. But you know, if you know anything can happen, so it kind of feels like we have this fear of death from a very young age. Whereas I was like very realistic about it, and I'd seen death, and I've seen some things at a very young age, just living in Africa, you see stuff. And so I had this very realistic thing, but then very unrealistic, like you're not going to die at 27 necessarily just because, you know, everybody did, you know, the music world. So what my point is like talking to people to kind of not have fear when you get told, Hey, you've got breast cancer and you've got six months. Let's do it beforehand and kind of, put the conversation of death as part of life instead of this shelving it away because it becomes this bigger monster and fear when actually it is just your next step and everybody has different religious beliefs and that's a whole other show. Maybe you recycle, come back, maybe you're a ghost and you can scare people. Cool. It's Halloween month, right? Um, I want to haunt people. So I just feel like it's about being comfortable where you are now because we really don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't care what we all believe religiously. We don't really freaking know. Like, In, we don't. One of the things that we did when when I was going through the course is there's a program that I learned, and it was called the best three months. And it was to imagine that you have three months to live, and it's not like you get, you know, hit by a bus or whatever. It's just like in this moment, exactly as you are you are told you have three months to live and now you get to make them the very best they can be for you and for everyone else. So if that was to happen to you, what is your vision and your thoughtful plan that you would put together to help yourself and to help people that you love go through this? And it's not like an advanced directive. It's not like a a living will or anything. It's a way to prepare for your transition and to experience completion. And uh, so you have to ask yourself some questions, things like what's the most important thing for you? And that, you know, that's like, uh, for me, it's a profound question. It's like a what is life kind of question. But yeah, do I have to write a book for this? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then what do you value the most? And it's surprising because when um, I, I can remember when I, I took a course in sales years and years, like when I was still, when I still thought that um, I was old, but I was really actually quite young. Um the so what question. So what will you value? And then, you know, ask yourself the, the so why? Mm. Like, what is it? And so if I asked you that, Lisa, I'm going to put you on the spot here because you're really good. Oh, at crap. Being <laughs> on the, no, you are. So what do you value most at this very moment? Well, for me, honestly, it's land. Okay. Nature and the habitat. So to me, um, value personally, like I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all right. Like I'm all like, honestly, I would, I'm not, um, I'm not scared of dying. Like, honestly, I'm not one of those people who are because I've kind of lived my life according to that. And uh, that's why I loved our legacy conversation because you're the first person that like everybody was like, why do you have to be so negative? I'm like, no, I'm living according to dying. And that was always a negative growing up and not with Nancy. Nancy's like, you go for it, man. You know? Um, But you're the first person I know that has ever really looked at living according to dying and looking at it in that way on, on shows and everything we talk about. It's like, I really, I mean, we talk about it and there's quotes we post and all that, but, um, I mean, I'm really doing it. So I feel pretty at ease. Like if I walk down the, I mean, I've had a couple of run-ins where I thought I could really die and, and a few 
couple of weeks ago, I almost did um, with an um, allergy attack. I almost oh, died. wow. And I didn't know what was going on with me. It was freaky as hell. Literally got scared and realized, like, I could go down. And um, oh. I didn't. I didn't. I was fine. Glad to hear. Like, Glad to talk to you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of freaky. And it was actually a few days after our interview and um, our past interview. And I really, like, scared the crap out of myself. But it was like, I was like, this is, I mean, my body was in convulsions and all kinds of weird stuff. And um, I realized, like, you could go. You don't know. And I was like, oh, whatever. But like, I, it's not a not caring. It's that you're living a purposeful life. And my life is really about um, education, which we do with yeah. our podcast and about the habitat of land. Yeah. So we don't have yeah. humanity without nature. And so I've always been a nature person. And I just always believe that we need to, you know, we've done so many shows on wildlife. And I always kept going like, if we don't, have the habitat we don't have the wildlife you can talk about poaching all you want but if the land is going which it's going then we're screwed and so that's me and that's why i do what i do and so quite frankly that's my legacy of things and i know i've done a whole bunch and i know i'm documented and done stuff and um so dying to me is not scary so you asked the wrong person i suppose and you got a whole big no actually i didn't because that's you know, I, I think people will find that really interesting and quite refreshing to hear. Oh, okay. So we sometimes carry fears because that's what we've been told to fear mm-hmm. death. You know, and so you're told it so many times you think, oh, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to fear this. Hmm. But when you realize that when you accept it and embrace the fact that yes i too will die then you get to say okay so what's important to me well lee you you went to africa yeah you've been on a wildlife safari i'm going to assume that you've seen an animal kill happen okay so that freaks a lot of people out um to me that was watching a death a stalking an attack and a death, which is like, okay, if that happened in the streets of any town that you're in, now we have police and all of that for the human side. But the animal side, this is kind of a normal way of eating and life, the full circle of life happens in front of your eyes. Hey, listen, I always had big dogs. And they, when we lived in Philadelphia, they used to keep the yard clear for us. (laughs) Right quite happy bringing you know like there was one time they they caught a rat and yeah on the deck and it was like look what i did for you it's the circle of life and humans have done this weird thing of boxing ourselves away from how nature works and the natural order of life and i think that's where fear comes in and you know you've got to think back to way back when in history when people would just and to now to now people go to war selflessly you know and what they care about in their family and things like that and i go how do you go and do that and you know adrenaline gets them through things and they die in the battlefields you know yeah and i've been to so many battlefields and you feel the remorse of what war does and we're in a period of life now with wars happening and it's traumatic to people but that's the thing where i'm saying it's like if you work on this from the time you are cognizant of Hey, what do I want to do in life? And you can keep changing it. You can, Hey, that sucked. I'm doing this instead. Do it. It's, it's about embracing the fact you have a little bit of time on life on earth. We don't know the amount of time. And I'm a pisser about time. Don't waste my time. That is when you will find me to be a, a a nasty person back. (laughs) You know, one of my best friends is, well, she's, she's absolutely brilliant. And she helped me write my first book because she, she had created um, kind of a process for being able to start from, from organizing your thoughts to getting a book plan to, to um, editing. And it was really quite brilliant. I didn't realize how involved it was. 
And I asked if she would help. There was three of us. I asked if she would help us. And I always think back to what she said. She said, you can have a hundred percent of my time when we are working together, but don't you waste one second of it. I love it. That's exactly who I am. Don't waste my time. Unless we're having a good laugh. Now, if we're having a good laugh, hell yeah, waste my time all day long because laughing See, that's is good. not a waste. That is hell just no. good use of time. Yeah. That's a good use of time. Well, well, that's the thing. You know, we're talking about embracing the end of life and so finding peace, right? You talk about yeah. that and yeah. and I find I want to go there because sometimes okay, what if you did have the the doctor call saying, "Okay, you got this much time to live and you're like holy crap I've done all this my life because I was supposed to and yeah. I'm you know you, and then we have movies of this bucket list movies like with Morgan Freeman yeah. and stuff right to say like okay well then go have a freaking good you know in South Africa lekker dole as we would say a good badass party go I'm why do I want to swear on this show? I don't know. Because <laughs> I bring that out in you, don't I, Lisa? I know. Every time I'm like, oh, my God. It's, you know, oh, by the way, this week is like what something about the English language day. And I had to put you and Glenn, you know, as a feature because um, Glenn Burroughs, when we talked about English language and then we got into naughty words. But um, it, it's interesting to me well, because come on, live life. But yeah. if you haven't. And many people come from, everyone comes from a different walk of life. And maybe that ability wasn't there, or maybe you just, no matter what the reason is, like, if it is, you've got that call. Right. Don't beat yourself up for God's sakes. Like, you know, I have friends right now that went through something very traumatic and they're basically, they feel like it's the end of their life. And I'm like, you've got to move forward because if you sit in the can't wallow you can't because then you're wallowing and you're not going to get out you're not going to enjoy i really think that there is uh, there is a place for wallowing (laughs) so i'm gonna say you have to you have to i think that you give yourself permission to wallow in your self-pity but you put a time limit on it i am gonna Mm. wallow and i'm gonna be the best wallower and just sit here and have my little pity party for a week or, you know, oh. give yourself permission to do it and then say, and then I'm going to get on with life because I know people who never get beyond that. Oh, and- I see. That's beautiful. I love that you said a time limit because I did that. Like if I dated a guy and we broke up and then you're like, oh, it's Saturday night. I should be out. Like I need to be out. Like I'm talking about teenage years, right? Or like yeah. early twenties. And I was like, oh God, he's out. He's doing this. I should be out. like, and now, now social media is there. That's going to be the worst for people, right? Now I don't give a damn about any of that stuff. I, I know who I am, right? But it's like, there's that thing of, yeah, you want to wallow. Maybe you've broken up or someone's died or something. Honestly, right? Someone's died and you've, grief is a process. That's a whole yeah. other conversation. Grief is rough, man, because you can give yourself a time limit. But if it's true grief and true loss of something or someone. Yes. Yeah. That is, you think you're over it, and then you could be talking to someone and burst in tears. And but you know. see, that's okay. But even then, even then, if you put a time limit, it doesn't mean that the grief is over. It means that you start doing things ah. to you out of it. Ooh, so, girl, yeah. you know, I I can I can be in grief, but I can still take a class, or I can still go to if if um. Nature is something that I enjoy. I can say, okay, um, I, I sat at home and I wallowed for the, for the week. And now I'm going to get up. Today I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for a walk in the woods. Mm-hmm. I may still be going through the grief, but I'm going to take a step forward. Action. The antidote yeah. to despair. Yeah. Always talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best things that you can do is to do something for others. So part of the reason I got involved in the doula work was because um, of an estrangement with my daughter. And I, and I, I I had, I needed to feel that I was doing something good for others, which kind of took away that feeling of, holy crap, you know, like um, the bad mother syndrome and, and, 
and just being able to move out of there. And be human again. Yeah. Now, mother, daughter, yeah. listen, you know, Nancy and I travel the country. Look, it yeah. ain't roses yeah. every day. Okay. We, uh, dude, if we have an argument, let me tell you, the world knows, like <laughs> they know. And then, yeah. but we don't, we have a time limit because we have a business. We have a tour schedule. We have pets that don't want to look at any of us arguing. Um, so we have to get back on it. So the time schedule thing, like you're saying, is yeah. part of it. Like it snaps us out of it. But um, caring is an important thing in the world. And if you, that's when I think you've lost hope is when you stop caring or doing for others. Yeah. That's when I think you are dead, actually. And there, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can always find people who are doing better. You can always find people who are doing worse. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on what is it that I need, what are the priorities and wishes and dreams that I want to focus on? Mm -hmm. And then start, you know, take the step because um, if I think all of us have met those people. I I live in a um, condominium complex right now. And there are people that you see that from the time we've moved in here, a year later, you kind of see them. The first time you met them and they shared something that was kind of upsetting, you went, oh, wow, they're going through something really difficult. And a year later, when they're still talking about it, you, no. there's that narrative in your mind. You're going, oh, how do I get out of this? How do yeah. I not talk to them? <laughs> they are such a downer. Yeah. And I don't think either of us want to be that person. Well, I think, it, honestly, stuff happens and you can't live. You, you, it, It's your choice if you look at the ticking clock. That is the guidance, right? Of course, there's spiritual beliefs as well that are really core to everybody's got a different spiritual or religious belief that are very, very core to them. So like even what I'm saying and talking about will go against a lot of people's religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs. So um, that's my life. Your life is your life. And I appreciate what people do as long as you're not killing someone, you know, or hurting animals or anything. If you hurt animals, I'll come after you. Um, but there's, there's, there's something, um, really important about this discussion about looking at end of life because of true beliefs. And I, I wonder about this because of just a lot of interviews we've done over the years and realizing that a lot of people grew up with spiritual and religious beliefs that they were, um, put into because of their upbringing and then like uh, look at gay people and you know by folks you know you know that's if it's not accepted by your family and there's all this drama now right and and drama is friction because something was out of place like oh oh, you went against the norm but the norm has been there so sorry but um everyone has a right okay um to their their way of life you know their love interest um, and it's not about sexual preference. It's about love, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's wonderful those who can, you know, love everybody and go, hey, I can follow love with anybody I want. Dang, that's pretty, we, you know, limits. Like, how cool is that? And then yet you have all these other sides going, you can't do that, you know? So it's got to be very interesting in what you do, Lee, as a as a death doula because you have to embrace everyone's beliefs and then honor them and help them honor their beliefs you know what i mean yes and no yes and no so if someone came to me and said um something and i'm trying to think of an example because i can embrace any kind of religious I, i don't need to embrace the religious belief but i can embrace them and their religious beliefs mm. so it's there's a a, a difference yeah. there so whatever it is that they believe in what they believe is spirit how they define it how they define their religion 
I can accept all of that. But if someone were um, to come to me and, and say, you know, like they were um, so negatively anti, like if, if they said, I want you to help me be at peace with the fact that I hate my gay child and, and I don't believe in any other religion. And this is the only true religion. And they had these very dogmatic beliefs. I would tell them that I'm not the best person for them to work with. Uh-huh. And I would try and help them find somebody else who might be able to help them on their journey. Because if someone was spouting that kind of what, what I would see as very um, hateful rhetoric, that's how I would define it. I'd go, yeah, see, I'm I'm going to be judging them in my mind and they don't need that at this time. They need to have someone who completely lovingly accepts everything about them. And I don't feel like maybe that's me right now. Ah, and that's really important to talk about because a soul, you know, a soul, uh, you know, a soul journey doula. I'm so like you're, I love your website name, but that's okay. who you are, soul journey, because you're, you're helping people transition. Yeah. And that's and a journey pretty, you know, that's it important. It would have to be really a difficult thing for me to say no to somebody because for the most part, I can see that, that, the good in people yeah well you know nancy and i as we pet said and everyone that's not our this is not our business pet setting is not people talk about that all the time they're like oh they're professional pet sitters we're professional in that we're good at it um, but we don't do this for money it's not um check out trustedhousesitters.com you'll see we're, we're not um, paid it's just how we travel other people have RVs and you don't want to see me drive an RV. Otherwise we'd have to call Lee or we might not even have that opportunity to call Lee. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, but, but, um, you know, it's such an immersive experience, what we do, um, that yeah. doesn't come close to what you do as a soul journey doula, right? You're sitting with someone going, this is my personal beliefs and this is how I, you know, their religious feelings of how they want to end it. That's very, very intimate and personal. Yeah. But we are intimate and personal in people's homes, their animals, what they care about. They're, you know, it, it's all on trust, going back to trust. Yes. Yeah. It truly is a trusting. And I know you know about trusted house sitters, you know. Yeah. And he and my model is care. And I think that's why the it models, it goes so well being a doula, because I think comforting care is one of the more important things that I do. As it's a hard and it's hard work. Caregiving is um, very difficult and tricky and emotional. And you have to balance your emotions and balance all these different things and everyone's different beliefs. And it forces you to step outside. Now, if somebody's beliefs are cruel, like you're saying, if they're mean, I don't think that's going to work. But like we've had to sit with people of different religious, political beliefs, all of it. And it's part of the world of travel too. And it's about having a little bit of this openness yes, and understanding. Yeah. And I wonder when people start to know, like I'm getting close to that. I'm going to beam up part of life that they start to second guess and wrestle with it. I wonder if maybe we should start wrestling with that before the end of life so your last days are actually pretty darn cool instead yeah. of wrestling with the bs beforehand you know you know just get it i mean not wrestle with it early so you don't your last days of life are not going in disappointment like i should have just been honest and not really care you know, just because i was taught this you know gets into real specifics too because i talked to one woman and she wanted um it's not called last rites anymore. There's a new term for it in, in Catholic religion. But she wanted a priest to be there to perform. And I, it'll come to me after the show's over what it's called now. Anyways, I said, that's great. So who is the priest that I would call? And she went, well, I haven't gone to church, so I, I don't have a priest. So, you know, it was kind of interesting. It was was like okay so we need to find a priest for you so it can get like how do you define spirit what's going to give you comfort at the end of your life and if you say i want to be surrounded 
by people singing this particular hymn, then the practical question is, who do you know who could do that? And a lot of times people have this vision, but they don't get into the practicality of how do I make that vision a reality? So as a death doula, part of what I do is I find out what their vision is and then do all the practical steps Mm -hmm. like, okay, so for me, I'd be the one who would say, okay, I want a priest and a rabbi and a, um, you know. So you're basically you're a party planner. Yeah. <laughs> a death party planner. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it's not, it sounds Only like you, Lisa. <laughs> well, come on. Well, come on. It's like a celebration of life. It's a party. Yeah. A and making up. sure that everything is lined up. So, you yeah. know, find out what the vision is and then make that vision a reality. Do the I like that. Do those action steps. Yeah. So that should be my new um, moniker is party planner for the dying. Yeah. Well, come on. Like, (laughs) seriously, we don't have to. I mean, honestly, I understand there's the end of life, but you want your friends and family. Everybody's got a different thing. Honestly, I don't want half my family around my bed. Hell no. Um, I do know the friends I would love to see. and And also, I'd like to see them before I am on my deathbed because at the end, I actually don't want anybody there. I don't yeah. want anybody looking at me drooling and, you know, letting all my things out. You know, I, I kind of don't, Um, you know, certain people, everybody's different. Like I want my, my, my good old buddies, even if it's on a zoom call to have that conversation of silliness. And I don't want it to, to be a Debbie downer, but other people, It can be completely different, right? So I'm just talking about my own opinion because I want people to think about their opinion. This is not me spotting my opinion on you or anyone. It's about thinking about, hey, yeah, um, let's live life. Let's think about what we really want to live our life by because do we really want the priest if we didn't go to, you know, to church, you know? My my friend Charles Bauer, he was... um, a friend up in in Canada, and he died of ALS about 10 years ago. Mm. And and if you knew Charlie, like, well, you would have loved him. He was just this great guy. And when he had ALS, when he got to a point where he was in a wheelchair and he was having problems, he he wrote all about it. So there's this great book out. But what he did, which was just so in keeping with who he was, is he had his funeral because he wanted to hear all the nice things people had to say about him. So he oh, planned wow. he planned the party and everybody came and he had like everybody got to stand up and and uh, he said like why do I want to wait until I'm dead? No, I want to hear it now. So anything that you want to tell me, you need to do it. And he he planned I love it his own party. Yeah, exactly. Not- I want to be at my party. And then when I go, it's like, I want to go because I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm tired. And people can go, well, she did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, it's like, God, uh, it dying sucks for the people left. So when you look at death doulas, do they help the people that are left behind? Yeah, that's really how it feels. I From the that. moment the person um, when the person has finally, like, let's e- even let's go to the person has just died and there are people in the room. There's rituals that we can do. So anointing with oil, which is just this beautiful tradition of anointing the body and anointing the eyes that these eyes that have seen so much and have watched life, you know, um, bless these shoulders that have carried weight that have done you know, and you go through this whole, this whole process of anointing the person. And I've, I've seen, I haven't participated in this, where the children were part of this too, and actually got to anoint um, their two little girls who anointed their, their father. And it was, it sounds like it would be difficult, but it actually gave them this beautiful opportunity to um, understand that 
it was going to be okay. So, you know, it's, I've got it here. It's the anointing ritual. So anointing as your body is outwardly anointed with this oil. So may you be filled with love. May you be held in a state of grace, affirmed in all your goodness, and may you have eternal peace of mind, body, and spirit. And then you go forehead, eyes, mouth, shoulders, heart, and do the whole thing. And these little girls were part of it and got to say goodbye in that way. And there's too many times that we think we're protecting the children by not letting them see death. But Mm. when you do this beautiful ceremony where now they have been able to say goodbye and be part of a blessing and, and, you know, it was explained really well to the kids. They did better than most children who are separated and not allowed to be part of anything. In exactly because they don't have the closure, like the Irish wake, right? Is always um, a thing. And then, like the friends that have passed, unless you know we have close insider information, um, it's hard to have closure on them. Yeah, it's it's a very hard thing because we don't even believe one of them died the way they died. It's 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 kind of weird because there's no real anyway. That's a whole other topic, but it's a like. There's something to be said about a community knowing what's happening. And these days it's starting to not happen as people just go, Oh, so-and-so died. And that's that. And please donate money to the family and let them help. But there's people affected people's lives in so many ways outside of their immediate family and people don't know. And, and then there's no explanation, no understanding, no closure. No, um, so I'm not a person that is into developing more graveyards, though I love graveyards. I, we, we, um, actually count them as parks now because they're a restful place. They protect history and nature and, um, they're in dire need of being, um, funded even because historic graveyards too have, um, hidden graves and stuff. And um, a lot of historians are trying to find the hidden graves that are just, you know, things move in time and maybe somebody didn't have the money to put a uh, tombstone up and there's an unmarked grave. I mean, it goes on. It's Um, really interesting. In the center of Halifax, which is kind of the, the city that I call home, in the center of the city is a graveyard, and it was a place where a lot of the victims of the Titanic were buried. Holy cow. So I find it really interesting. I mean, it's a historical part because when you're going through there, it it tells you, like, a lot of times you'll see um, a number up to a certain era, there was quite a few baby and children's deaths because they didn't have the same health care then you could see that change over time and then you could you know you see the people who were recovered from the titanic were brought to halifax because it was one of the closest ports and they're buried there and so there's all of that history and people from the first world war i find it like you i find it like this historical park that you can walk through and go Oh my God, that's when it happened. And those are the dates. And look at yeah, that. Yeah. Because, you we know, were in next Easton, Easton, Pennsylvania. We went to a graveyard there that I kept going, you got to go there. And this is Twirly Road. And we got there. And this graveyard was historic as hell. Like they had one of the first silent movie actresses, uh, buried there. And she had this like amazing tomb. Then like the, the father of bandstand music. And I was like, I didn't even know there was a father of bandstand music. Next thing you know, I'm back to our bed and breakfast. I'm Googling the person. I was Googling so many people and learning history that I didn't know about if I hadn't gone to that graveyard. It was insane. It was one of the, just one of the best graveyards. I think Little Rock, um, Arkansas has an insane graveyard. Like just the way the history lands, like they didn't have the, the, like some, well, 
uh, Bayou Rapids was a heritage, uh, heritage site and um, a National Historic Register. Well, a lot of them are. The ones I'm talking about are. And I actually got stuck in the seatbelt in the back seat of the car and I couldn't get out in Bayou Rapids, Louisiana. And oh. they, uh, no, it was weird and haunty, creepy, weird. But I got out. Finally, they, someone got me out. And that cemetery, they had a revolutionary war hero that was buried there, which was pretty like old school for it to be all the way to Louisiana. You know, it was like in the middle ground of the country for a revolutionary war, right? And, um, well, no, actually, when I think now, but it was still amazing. Like for us, you know, having been on the West so much and then, you know, there and like certain people like created a town like Boyd, Louisiana. And here they had this huge graveyard, but like now the town is smaller than the damn graveyard. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like it's kind of like they have this, it, it, and yet, if it wasn't for the graveyard and maybe some of the local museums, like how would you know about these small areas that were booming at a time? Lumber yeah. was a big deal at that point. Like certain areas um, were booming and these were the people that made it happen and did this and this, then all of it dies down and everybody forgets. And we have these ghost towns and we have these graveyards that remind people like somebody did some stuff and fed families and they fed themselves and worked their asses off. And how do we know? And, you know, so I think it's, it's, that's also another lesson. Do you want to be the, you know, the product of the company man, the company store, you know, do you want to be that? You know, so it's something like when we think about the end of life, where do you want to be? I, I love your conversation, a few podcasts about, about that, because your let, what is your legacy is so crucial to, how things end and the sooner we think about that the more comfortable yeah. we're going to be when the end comes it doesn't like i'm not ready to die like i'm i will fight it you know because i'm i have so much on my list to do but um i know i've done enough of my list that i feel good you know if i yeah. have to you there know. was an eighth century monk in in tibet and his final instructions to students, I think, are interesting. So he said, um, your final instructions before you die is to confess your faults. Ooh. Approach what you find repulsive. Oh. Help those you think you cannot help. Anything you are attached to, let it go. Ooh. Go to the places that scare you. Ooh. If you do not grasp with your mind, you will find a fresh state of being. Oh my God. I love this. Yeah, isn't that cool? I can send that I, to you. I really love that you're like the soul journey doula now. Like, you know, I really dig this. This is fun. I love the trust talk too, but it's yeah. all connected, right? It's all connected. Honestly, but, doesn't this feel like it's more alive? I mean, but it sounds well, funny. I know we're talking, you're, you're saying this is more alive, but we're talking about death. But going back to the trust talk, I think death is about self trust too. Yeah. Like, trusting yourself to do things that you really wanted to accomplish and chickening out. Don't chicken the hell out. Rather fail and then get up again and try again. Yeah. Then chicken out. Don't be a chicken. And I like chickens. <laughs> no, it's true. There was something that I read the other day, and I kind of grasped onto it. The, um, the biggest lie that we tell ourselves is, maybe if I leave it alone, it will go away. So my belief is that if you want something, like if something isn't working, then do something about it. And if something's not working, sometimes it's a, it's, it's, it's an itch that needs to be scratched. Something yeah. is there. It's attracted to you. There's something in that that might be this joyful nugget of joy, you know? Yeah. That you, it's annoying because it needs to be, there's something, there's something in there for you to find. You know, it's annoying you. It's itchy, whatever. 
And you're going to learn something because not one thing happens in life without giving you a lesson. Not one thing. Yeah. Even if it's annoying, painful. I don't know about you. Sometimes I think, okay. You know, and and a friend of mine (laughs) said to me, if you don't learn from the mistake you made the first time, it will keep coming back until you, until you learn the lesson. Damn it. I know. Doesn't that suck? But it, but it, but that's what I love about these conversations yeah. with you on this because it, I mean, it still connects with trust and you're still doing that work too. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I love, I love that what, what you're doing because at, at this point, I think like Lee needs to go to every political place in the world. Um, but, but really it, it just when you think about death and passing, like, are you clinging to old beliefs? And not your own. Like, how comfortable are you going to feel with a priest if you don't believe in the Catholic religion? Yeah. And you're just doing to appease somebody. Then you're going to end up being a ghost. Like, you know, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I have to have humor in this. I'm sorry. Humor and death go hand in hand. Absolutely. Yep, they do. So on that note, let's laugh. Laugh until we die. Oh, I love it. I love it. Lee. Um, we have so many more conversations on this. I think we just scraped, like, scraped the surface of this. And um, me too, I Lisa. Think, I think I think you're giving people some pause to reflect on life now. What? What? Hey, let me think about. You know, they always talk about make your will, do your will early. You know, um, it goes hand in hand, actually. You know, all of it. I think if you're going to write your will, you better write down what you want. And maybe look at having a soul journey uh, doula like Lee be part of your life, you know. Um, And sometimes, like I said, it comes early, comes quick. You could be in your 20s listening to this and have just had that call that you don't want. Yeah. And um, hopefully you've done a lot of what you want. And if you can do more, do and um, call Lee. Yeah, she's the soul journey doula, and and I think it's, it's just for what you're doing. Here from you, yeah. Just a conversation. I think sometimes that's the thing is people want to talk and not always talk to their family because everybody's having their emotional reactions to things. Sometimes yeah. the best thing I was talking about this on a show with uh, for International uh, Day of the Girl Child um, that has just passed, and. Um, we were talking about mentorship and, and things like that. And, and sometimes you want mentorship outside your family. And yes. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. Um, so thank you so much, Lee. Everyone, souljourneydoula.com is the website. Lee will be back next third Thursday in November. And I'm sure we're going to have another great conversation. Of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. We thank everyone for joining us. And hopefully we didn't ruffle any feathers. Everyone's got different beliefs, spiritually, religiously, um, and just in life. But, um, you know, we have our opinions too. And so do you. And we respect them. So just don't hurt anybody. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Lisa. (laughs)